Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmadbati, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another festive episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio. I do hope you're having a pleasant time as far as spending quality time with family and friends. It's always a wonderful time of year, isn't it? Um, Literally, it's such a good opportunity for uh, get-togethers with the family, uh, with friends and just really sort of taking some me time and you know that there's nothing wrong with that that's so so important nowadays now i'm delighted to welcome my guest for this week's episode who is none other than emma collie emma has been a homeopath for over 16 years and teaches at two schools in the uk she has a background in psychology and neuroscience and found herself exploring homeopathy due to an ailment her horse was suffering with Suffice to say, homeopathy saved the day with its usual incredible success. And, as it goes, the rest is history. Emma, it's so good to have you on the Homeopathy Health Show. Thank you so much. How are you doing? You're very welcome. It's great to be here. I'm good, thank you. How are you? How about you? It's very nice of you to ask, actually. It's, it's been a really busy month, and uh, it's, but it's so brilliant because I'm talking to so many different homeopaths and researchers in homeopathy, teachers, students, home prescribers, and it really gives you this sort of buzz, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice mm-hmm. feeling that there's a lot going on with homeopathy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best, I suppose, in the humblest way to promote that on, on sure. my socials. And uh, that wasn't a plug, but uh, certainly, you know. <laughs> Follow the socials, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Follow my socials and, and you'll see all the guest videos and the trailers and it just makes homeopathy very tangible and very exciting and and interesting and you can actually see it at work and i think you know that's that's just a plus point for everyone isn't it yeah and i really like the diversity that you're talking about you know anyone from home prescribers through to students through um you know to master practitioners um it's it's incredibly accessible isn't it for so many people at different levels to go into this so and use it effectively absolutely um, my objective was always said, so, you know, it sounds like you're interviewing me, but uh, my <laughs> not at all. I, I know so how it feels now. I know how it feels. <laughs> keep calm. <laughs> but uh, it's nice because it's tangible. My my objective was always and always will remain is to make homeopathy tangible so that people can. Uh, so I'll give you your example. So mm. Emma Colley, yes, and you know you're teaching and you're a homeopath and you're supervising students. And it's fine that they would have heard of you, but to hear you, to hear your voice and to hear your insights, I think it's just a totally different level. And uh, it just brings it home that 
there's so so much variety in homeopathy and this is people mm. people from different amazing backgrounds who decided to change their career those who already knew what they wanted to do and it's wonderful and we you know we should uh, as Pauline Brzezinski quite nicely put in her uh, guest trailer the other day um let's celebrate that let's celebrate that diversity mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so do tell me uh Emma about your journey to homeopathy because you do mention that you grew up hearing stories of your grandma buying tissue salts and uh, you know using that for for the treatment of ailments so what was that like and and what else can you share you know what do you remember from those days yes yeah, so i kind of feel like i missed um i sort of missed the the peak of her doing that and i was in the place i was i just very used to the conventional medical model i guess so i was sort of like you know why why would she do that why would she throw the antibiotics in the fire and say she wasn't using them and she was going to use these these tissue salts instead and definitely not advocating anyone, you know, hurls any prescribed medicines in the fire. But that was her way. No, certainly she, not. Certainly yeah, not. absolutely. <laughs> that was her choice. And that was what she did at that point in time. And to be fair, I thought that was insane. What, like, just totally crazy. Why would you do that? And now, you know, coming back to using tissue salts in my practice, seeing how incredibly brilliant they can be. I don't use them all the time at all. But, you know, really this lady had, you know, a real concept of how, how useful and how therapeutically helpful um, homeopathy and homeopathically prepared things such as tissue salts can be. So, you know, really, um, really, it was in a place that I just didn't really understand what she was doing with that. Um, and, and why would she bother? Because there was this great stuff that everybody could use. So it's interesting, you know, kind of feels like a she was quite old when she had my dad. So by the time she was my grandma, she was, you know, much um, further on in the sort of generational, the generational gap was bigger than with my other grandmother. Um, so she was this, this kind of crazy woman who used these alternatives then to me. And, you know, really fascinating coming back and thinking, gosh, I wish I'd known her when she was younger, or, you know, there was a difference then that I could have really understood what she was doing and, and why she was seeking alternatives. It would have been fascinating to have had those conversations that were sadly missed. But yeah, I definitely remember, you know, the mention of, of her doing these, these things. So yeah, it was until I was 16, I guess, my first experience directly of homeopathy or, or you know, for people or, or my animal, actually, it was my horse that introduced us to homeopathy. You know, Emma, it's, it's fascinating because do you find that, you know, the previous generations, uh, certainly our grandparents, let's say, and, and even our great grandparents, the thinking or the thought processes were very different. And it might be because life was compared to today, certainly uh, very simple. And mm. and I mean that in in the you know in a positive way. Sure. Today it's very stressful because there's so much going on at any one time, and 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 we have access to so many life luxuries. But because life was relatively simple, let's say, um, in previous previous decades gone by, then it also do you think it also made people very um, capable of making decisive, uh, you know, or, sorry, uh, to make uh, decisions without having to overthink things like nowadays if we have a decision to make we'll consult and we might think and we might research and and it takes a long time whereas i find like talking to people who homeopaths around the world you know who talk about their grandparents especially 
And it's like, no, no, they were committed to homeopathy and they used it. And it was a, it was a no brainer as such, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I'm going to use this and, and this is the way, and this is what I prefer. This is my personal choice. And, and nowadays we have so much variety that we can, you know, do so much research. And sometimes you can never come out of that circle, can you? Yeah. you know, or that cycle, should I say, of just researching something and not taking that step. Agreed. Yeah, I think there is something about living simpler that's that's incredibly beautiful. You're, you know, often so much closer to nature. I remember they had a fairly small garden, but grew quite an extensive diversity of things that they would eat. So, you know, I guess organic, organically gardening it with before there was really a name for it. Mm. Um, so the food was simpler, I suppose, for them. Um, yes, I think there's you know, we can get into that paralysis of analysis paralysis, can't we? When there's, there's just too many options to look at and, and it's overwhelming. And then maybe we do nothing or we, you know, ask everybody or, or canvas their opinions. And if, yeah, simpler, simpler options, I, you know, sounds really positive to me. I'm definitely okay. trying to streamline things in different ways. I, um, it just makes life easier, doesn't it? And, yeah. and actually that does take me to, to homeopathy and homeopathic remedies because even though they are so versatile and they have such a beautiful signature, each remedy is magnificent in, in its own realm of healing or its applicability to healing. But it's also beautifully simple, you know? And, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's what is really important because it's not always the big bucks, the, the, the best tech in the world that, you know, brings about a change. Sometimes it's the simple things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen one instance, um, I particularly love the little kits that Helios does, um, particularly 36 Remedy one with, with the little booklet that explains how you use the remedies. And um, I had one, one client I consulted with her for her son. She took a kit, read up on the remedies and was like, gosh, this sounds just like my partner. Gave him one of the remedies from that, you know, we could look at it as a very basic kit of remedies. And his, you know, long-term, one of his long-term issues was entirely resolved with just this. So the simplicity and accessibility of these remedies is really phenomenal. And it yeah. doesn't have to be, I think we've, we've grown up, certainly our generation. Um, well, I don't know about mine. I'm getting a bit, getting on a bit now, but uh, the next generation certainly um, are very, they are actually making, they are able to make good decisions now uh, quickly even using technology and uh, mm. it that's that's showing you that you know we often talk don't we about the those who grew up in the 80s and and how life was so different and and how it is certainly now and uh, i think that, that our next generation are getting to that stage where they can now also appreciate certain things because they're so open minded it's not um you know it's a, a closed mind you know it's not tunnel vision it's yeah. like okay, well, they got this, this, and this, and I don't like them, but let me at least find out what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing, right? Mm, for sure. Yeah, definitely. The 16-year-old uh, is definitely quite open-minded and exploring different options. I was going to ask you about when you were 16, and you said that uh, you had a horse, mm -hmm. uh, male or female? It was a mare. She was, yeah, she. And, and she was treated for an incurable eye disease. So do mm -hmm. you share that story? Because it does sound really fascinating. Yeah, really one of those kind of dramatic 
things that you, I don't know, just never expect will happen. But she ended up getting um, what they called recurrent uveitis, uh, inflammation of, of uh, one of her eyes, which we think was caused by a trauma injury. She'd possibly bashed her head or bashed her eye on, on a surface. Um, and so she was on um, steroid injections every six weeks into her eyelid, which you know, she was a big 16-3, somewhat feisty mare. Um, you know, we had to sedate her to do that, then the injection. And she was also on anti-inflammatories. So because of the constant anti-inflammatory medication, we had to check out, you know, were her organs, organs okay? How was she responding to this medication? And got to a point, they said, well, you know, her liver's not operating quite as well as it should be. So we've got a concern. We don't want to keep on with this treatment regime. So what we might do, um, you know, it's possible we might remove her eye because that would sort it all out. So it's it's one solution, you know, removing the diseased eye does does remove the eye disease, but it also means you've got one eye left on your horse. Um, so my mum uh, at the time wrote to a herbal company who referred us to uh, Chris Day, a homeopathic vet who's recently died. I'm sure you know, I am a fantastic pioneer of homeopathy. So he referred us to a local veterinary practice, uh, John Saxton, who was, was running a practice in Leeds. He came out to see our horse. Um, we had five little tablets and she had to have them one a day for five days. It was one of those, you know, like in your films and you see, you know, this, this, this is about to occur. And then there was a massive snowfall and we couldn't drive the car up the mm. mile up the hill. But, you know, we were determined she was having the remedy. So my dad would trek up there with a little remedy and a piece of carrot. And basically the short story is five days of that and she never had the eye disease ever again. So, That's amazing. You know, so conventional vets said, you know, it's not, it's not cured, it's in remission. And, you know, I've got to the point, I don't mind if it was in remission or it was cured, it doesn't really matter. She never had it again until she died, you know, quite a long, probably 10, 12 years later. So, you know, in permanent remission worked for us. And so we had a horse with two eyes, very healthy, happy, lots of good times great yeah. and this is uh, your personal horse yeah it was our family's horse yeah mine and my sister me and my sister were the ones that rode her dad helped out looking after her mum helped financing her yeah it was a collective a collective um family horse so do you yeah. still keep horses or i don't you... no no i don't know i'm just two dogs and a cat all of them benefit from homeopathy of yeah. course of course yeah. i i see how you plug that i like that <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that, that's good that's what i like you know this is the homeopathy health show yeah this is what it's about <laughs> but um it's um as far as having the horse and so obviously you're involved in horse riding and, and mm. was that just something you just wanted to do as a child or um... yeah i just i um, fell into and um just an activity to try out and then really enjoyed it and you know, got to a point, mum was like, oh, I think we might, you know, let's look at buying a horse. And so we, we ended up with this beautiful Palomino mare, um, Czechoslovakian warm blood. And yeah, just brilliant adventures. We went off on a few trekking adventures. We would take her with us. And um, we did one particular triangle. Actually, we did it twice, sort of Whitby, Pickering, Scarborough, riding kind of, I don't know, 18 miles a day, perhaps. Um, stopping at a bed and breakfast on a farm, um, stabling the horse, going for a dinner at the pub and then getting up and riding the next day. Some really, yeah, really happy times. And when I was studying in Manchester, I'd, I'd phone up and be like, oh, is it good weather at home? I'll just, you know, hop on the bus. I um, loved the city life, but definitely a country mouse. So I was very happy to hop on the bus and go home and 
reset everything, get back out into nature, and then be able to go back and study again in Manchester. That's so wonderful, isn't it? So such a nice, uh, such fond memories of childhood, and and that's just beautiful, isn't it? Mm, it really mm-hmm. is. And horses, of course, are very, very caring animals. Anyhow, they express so much love. Yeah. I often, I often find them. Are they're so misunderstood you know unless you've been there or you've had a horse um so yeah but they are very very compassionate animals mm, indeed you know mm-hmm. wonderful yeah yeah definitely. now that takes us on to studying and before you actually went into homeopathy you did a degree mm-hmm. in psychology and neuroscience and uh, so tell us about that so where did you study and and why why those two particular subjects actually yeah, so really, um, kind of my first gut slash heart decision, or my first big one, anyway. So I planned to be a vet. I knew when I was seven, I was going to be a vet. And until I was 17, and almost to the point I was filling in my UCAS form to say which universities I wanted to go to, I was on my work experience at a vet's practice. And I remember the exact moment. The vet's arm was halfway inside the horse, checking out whatever was going on. And I remember standing there looking at the owner and thinking, gosh, I'm actually more interested in what's happening for the owner than what's happening with the horse at this point in time. Mm. Um, obviously, I'd been around animals for years. We'd had a dog since I was nine. We'd had the horse since I was 14. So I was well used to being with, with creatures, but just really decided it was people that really fascinated me. So I was in this um, kind of crux point. Like I was, that was my, my life plan for the last 10 years was, was changing. I had friends who were like, gosh, she should definitely be a vet. We need to take her out for dinner with our friends who are vets and encourage her. And I was just determined. I knew this that I, I didn't want that route. And it was one of those things that I, you know, recognized people fascinated me. I um, would read the psychology neuroscience course in Manchester and just be like, wow, this is amazing. Listen to this. It's incredible. Look at the, you know, the the interaction between the brain and the nervous system and the psychology of it all. And then I'd read like psychology somewhere else and be like, yeah, that's really interesting. Wow, look at Manchester course. (laughs) So it really was one of those. I just had to do it. I had no idea. In lots of ways, it made no sense. And it was absolutely the right thing to do. Still fascinated. And the neuroscience entirely helpful. You know, things like, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think I can remember much of it. Advanced psycho, um, neuropsychology, advanced neuropharmacology, sorry, and things like that. I, I'm like, you know, it was really helpful in terms of an understanding of, you know, medication and how that works, pathways in the body and the anatomy and physiology. So a really great degree to do, actually, with the view of becoming a homeopath later. I get, I know how tough it is because my eldest is doing an MSc in uh, neuroscience. So mm-hmm. I, I know what's involved and uh, <clears throat> it's not easy certainly but it is fascinating Absolutely. every element of it is fascinating yeah now after your degree is when i suppose the the magic happened right which is the magic of homeopathy mm-hmm. so what changed what were you thinking of a career in in either of these two subject matters that you did a degree in or were you when you when you had graduated you thought okay what am i going to do now a bit of both, I guess. So I remember when um, after I finished my dissertation, which I did in the neuro- neuroscience element of my degree, um, and the 
supervisor for that saying, can we not tempt you to do a PhD? You know, it's really great to have you on board and do this. And can we not tempt you away from this alternative world that you're, you know, heading towards? So I'd already, during my third year of my degree, I'd done a, a um, diploma in reflexology. I'd done a little bit of Reiki. So I'd already got a real interest in that alternative world. We'd already got our, um, I'd already got a, a wee homeopathy kit that I took traveling to, to Thailand when I went off in my third year of my degree on a voluntary trip. Um, so there'd already been that interest. And I think I remember being in my room in my second year of my degree and having the Society of Homeopaths information about becoming a homeopath. And it said somewhere in there that, you know, you can't start studying until you're 21, which was the guidelines they had at that point in time. I don't know if they're different now. And so I was like, well, you know, that's it. I can't do that. That's, you know, it's done. I'll leave that to one side. And then went off traveling to Australia for a year after my degree. And as you do at, you know, age 21, got into a quite unhealthy for me relationship and came back. And after a few weeks of, um, well, after that had finally finished and, and done, I, um, I was in a mess, basically. I wouldn't leave the house by myself. I was incredibly anxious. If I went out, I'd be with my parents always. Um, you know, by this point, I was 22, 23. It got to a point, my mum was like, um, can you just go and see that homeopath? <laughs> just mm. go. So really through the process of working with her and you know, really rediscovering, remembering me, um, it was her that said, why aren't you doing homeopathy? I was like, oh yes, I forgot I was supposed to be doing that. And again, it was one of those things that just really felt right. So really listening to the whispers and um, and I was, I'm, well, I still am a bit, um, a bit of a swat and a bit of a geek and really fascinated by learning. My daughter's the polar opposite. Tell her to read something and she's less likely to do it than anything. But for me, I, I just can't get enough. I, I think this whole topic is fascinating. So, you know, I went to my interview. I was convinced we'd have to have our interview very early on to get into this school. Went for my interview in February and started the course in September. Um, and the principal at the time said, you must, everybody else is further ahead than you. You must go away. You must read the Organon. You must read George Vatuclis' Science of Homeopathy and Medicine for a New Millennium. So I went away and I read all the books. I'm not sure they meant much sense to me at the time, but I read them all, came back and nobody else in the course had read them. <laughs> so anyway, I'd got at least a, a kind of a, a start, but yes, yeah, so much more to delve into with all of those, those great works of, um, works of science and art really which uh, which college did you did you study or school did you study at to manchester i went back to manchester to the northwest college of homeopathy there that's that's actually one of the colleges you're teaching at now it is correct yeah oh do tell more because i know that you in your bio you mentioned that um you are teaching um at two colleges the second one is uh, is something very close to my heart but well let's talk about the manchester one first and uh, how you got involved really was that just an uh, was that just something natural the next stage as far as uh, you know completing your homeopathy diploma and moving forward i it was a little while after i started doing that and i'd actually started doing their social media um running their social media at the college for a while and then i think they asked me to go and do a talk on you know either going into business or on social media and went and did that. And that was my first experience of stepping back in, into that kind of teaching environment. So I'd always said I was never going to teach. Both my parents are teachers. 
and I saw they're both primary school um, in primary school my dad was a head and my mum was a teacher and always went whoa I'm never gonna do this but teaching adults is so different to to teaching children who you know frankly sometimes don't want to be in the room so teaching people who are really fascinated by the topic and keen and eager to learn you know anything that you're sharing is is just a really beautiful it's incredible I love it I get a lot of energy out of going in and teaching and being there and do you cover what type of subjects do you cover and then or is it just remedy relationships what is it using a materia medica what what repertorization skills what yeah so all of these topics are obviously taught in the college generally my um my my passions i really love the work of jan Scholten and the periodic table so i do i talk to students about that yeah <laughs> i just i know mine's in my bag <laughs> for, the, for those who, who, who are me. just listening obviously we're recording this over zoom and um i've just shown emma my uh my the table that i've got in my hand which is of course the the element theory by jan Scholten. so i'll show you that again but uh, just to interject here i mean it's brilliant this this is just groundbreaking and i use Genius. it a lot and uh it's it really is an eye-opener and even if it's not something a homeopath wants to perhaps uh use personally in their practice but knowing about it i think is really really important because there's so many things in there that can open up our understanding further of remedies and of course you know with the table of elements and and how everything slots in yeah absolutely i mean the, the two things that are just fascinating aren't they that um jan Scholten's use of that and also the fact that the whole thing came up you know even the fact the periodic table exists i think i'm constantly grateful for you know mendeleev's great work in creating it and um you know, just inspired the whole thing. So, so that is definitely one of my, um, you know, beloved topics. I do some te teaching on lifestyle medicine around how, you know, we might look at that and how Hahnemann used that within his work. And, you know, there's no point in, in somebody keeping doing the same thing. If, if we, you know, can see a clear issue, you know, for example, um, you know, lots of mucus going on and somebody's drinking pints and pints of milk, it would be wrong not to, you know, perhaps highlight that for the person that there could be, could be a correlation there. So do some teaching on that. I um, also work on going into practice. Um, and then, yeah, maybe um, at the School of Homeopathy in Stroud this time, I've, I've been talking about uh, Nux Vomica, about different um, comparing remedies within a rubric, how different remedies might present uh, within the same collection of symptoms. So yeah, a, a range of different topics, really. And I really enjoy the diversity of it. You get so much out of teaching and sharing information, don't you? So, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's the best feeling, isn't it? And also, uh, with homeopathy, you see, it's never one-sided. There's always a discussion. There's so mm -hmm. many questions. And and before I go further, actually, I, 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 because I've, I don't want to forget, but, you know, hats off and congratulations to Manny Norland, from the School of Homeopathy. Thank you to him for firstly introducing us and, mm -hmm. you know, you being here, but also, you know, the work that he's doing, his brother, his late father, and, you know, that, that school is going places and it's offering really, I mean, just like all the schools within mm. the UK and the colleges that are teaching homeopathy, it's just incredible to see, you know, the work being done and with for homeopathy as well. And, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, itself is promoting homeopathy. It's just, I just love it. You can tell, right? I'm, I'm so passionate. I just, I just want to shout it out as they say, <laughs> you know, 
And it feels so much more. Certainly, it's not homeopathy or the highway. That's not what I want to shout. I just want to shout out Mm -hmm. that look, second largest system of medicine in the world, but it's the most comprehensive as far as um, compatibility or healing with of with and of disease. It's Mm -hmm. you know it's again we we go back to perhaps Jan Scholten and and now you know the lanthanides and autoimmune disorders and it's it's so many amazing things which. People are just, you know, like you want to just shout, come on, you know, <laughs> here it is. Look, this stuff yeah. is here. It's real. It's proven now. Yeah. It's scientifically proven. So you can't say, no, it's just in the head. It's not. Sure. It's it's never has been, but certainly, you know, for, for, for those who perhaps would. Um, but hey, we got off tangent and I completely lost my I love a tangent. Asking. Yeah, now you're good. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what we were talking about now. <laughs> so we were talking about uh, topics of teaching. Absolutely, different yes. colleges. Yes. Yeah. So how is um, how is the college in Manchester? How's that? Uh, quite busy. It must be with uh, you know students year in year out and. Yeah, I think there was a real change, wasn't there? So I don't know when you studied, but I was um, I, I graduated in two thousand seven, and the class I was in there was about thirty of us, and then well, 2007, 2008, there was a big recession, there was big sceptic activity. Um, you know, there's some real changes and I think colleges got got smaller. There's less people mm. studying. Um, but I feel like it's in a really healthy place. It's it's a fantastic collection of, of lecturers. Um, Principal Andrine is, is amazing. She's really steadily holding the fort. It's, it's a really, um, it's really beautiful. Yeah, I really enjoy going in. Well, I enjoy going to both the colleges, yeah. They wrote um, both places where I would recommend, you know, personally, if people ask me where should I go and study, you know, obviously those are the two I have the biggest involvement with. So I'm massively biased, but I think they're both excellent, excellent places of learning. And are you regular with, uh, do you have slots to go in to teach? Because they're obviously from one side of almost one side of the country to the other, aren't they? Or from the middle, certainly. So so how do you manage to do that? And uh, so Manchester is a lot more local to me. It's about an hour and a half drive. So that's that's definitely more accessible. Um, in Stroud, I've fallen into a rhythm of going sort of about twice a year. Um, so February and April tend to be my, is that right, February? Yeah, tend to be my kind of times of um, of heading down there. So yeah, it's it's um, it's good. And Manchester depends on, on the timetabling, but again, it's it's easy to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you're also um, uh, a homeopath, of course, mm-hmm. uh, alongside the teaching and, and, and whatnot. So 16 years, amazing. Yeah. Uh, congratulations, of course. Thank you. Uh, every day's, you know, there's that song, isn't it? Everyone's a winner. With homeopathy, it's so true. Every, I, I'm going to rephrase that uh, for my socials and call it every homeopath's a winner. And we do see such incredible idea. things. I, I'm notoriously bad at giving ideas, by the way, but um, <laughs> I do like that one. Because that's just, you know, different. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's incredible, I think, what we do. You know, I, I got to a point I realised I don't stop and think about the successes enough. So you see some incredible things and then, you know, then maybe somebody isn't getting better as quick as you want. So all your focus is obviously, and rightly so, on, on you know, where can you help more here or where can this change? Or, um, But the times that somebody comes back and they say, you know, I've had a headache, issue since I was 16 and now I'm nearly 60 and you know within three months of working with you my headaches have all cleared that's totally remarkable isn't it and we don't I don't stop enough and go whoa (laughs) 
just sold your horses. Let's look at this. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'll go with your every homey pasta winner. I think we're we're incredibly lucky to do the job we do. You know, I had somebody a few months back, well, ma many months back, but I remember this because he um, he came to see me. He just found my number and googled it or whatnot, and uh, and he was uh, he had an injury to his eye, so it was almost like his eye was uh, he he couldn't see out of it. He was it was temporary blindness, uh, and his eye had crusted over. And after just two weeks, because I call, I, he took some remedies um, and I gave him some remedies. And, and after two weeks, I just, you know, you, you know, it's uh, even though you book and you plan, sometimes when patients get better, they never they never really call back or they tell mm -hmm. you, which is a good thing. Yeah, That's absolutely. Fine. But I, I did call. This is my habit. And uh, he said, yeah, much better. And he sent me the pictures. And I was absolutely astonished. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, being in practice, as I have been for, for many years, but like you just so eloquently said, you know, um, when we don't spend enough time thinking that or, or appreciating that well, because, yeah. and I don't mean this in a in an egotistical way, it's, it's almost, it's in a very humble way that it's nice to have that feeling of knowing somebody is out of their trouble mm -hmm. as far as the health. Absolutely agree. It's such a, a beautiful and humbling experience. That's, that's what I mean, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely that. I mean, we can't heal the whole world, but no, for sure. with, with many millions of homeopaths, we certainly can head in the right direction, which we are doing, you know? Yeah. I, I've seen the increase in the interest in homeopathy now around the world, hearing it from, from you know, organizations and researchers and, and homeopaths. And there is a, a, a big push now or a big um, change towards people thinking, not necessarily just homeopathy, but natural. Yeah, definitely. It feels like there's a almost a movement of empowering people to be able to, you know, take that responsibility. And like you say, you know, I'm I'm all for the conventional medical system. I think it's life saving. It's phenomenal. It's a, you know, I would never want to be without it. But that doesn't mean it can a do everything and b, you know, sometimes people, especially at the minute, can't really get hold of, you know, somebody for a doctor's appointment, and sometimes there might be something they can do to help themselves. So having people aware of when they can help and when they can't is a really helpful system as well. I think I have a client who says, you know, every home should have one of the little Helios first aid. I feel like I'm promoting Helios. John Morgan, come on, give me some commission. I'm waiting um, for John Morgan to come on the podcast. I John, if you're John. listening. Yeah, John, um, come on. <laughs> can't wait. Can't wait to have you on. But yeah, she says, you know, every home should have one of these kits and every GP should have a basic awareness of homeopathy. And she reckons that would save the NHS a fortune. And I absolutely agree. You know, there's so much we can do on an acute minor injuries um, level that can be so, so helpful for people. Yeah. And I really, yeah, a massive fan of integrating, you know, whether that be walking alongside somebody while they just do their um, cancer treatment, if that's what they're needing to do for themselves at, at that point in time. Um, you know, sometimes that's been giving somebody a remedy that's helped with the neuropathy that's meant they're able to carry on with the chemo that the doctor said, you know, if this carries on, we won't be able to to continue with your chemo. They wanted to and and so helping them cope with the side effects of that. So for me, integrating is is a really a real joy in my work. I feel like I have a lot of conversations uh, around people having a team and you know have a, a great gp a great diagnostician on that team have you know have your homeopath and maybe a, a nutritionalist or a physio or whatever you need for body work or you know if you need that and having that team of people that you can call on and 
and help you with where you're at, I just think is a, a remarkable thing to do. I think we've had a while of thinking, you know, we're all solo out there pioneers, uh, of, no, not necessarily as semi-paths, but you know, as, as people, we don't need anybody. It's not, and actually we, we work best in a um, collaborative way. So having a team, I think is really key. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Do you specialize in anything specific or what, what uh, do you usually get as far as, I know this is a very open question because mm. it's not possible. Like maybe having, I, mean, I haven't asked it yet, but I'm already thinking, but, um, or is it just a variety of, of ailments or conditions? Uh, is it a mixed bag? And is it something particular that you sort of personally like to help people with? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I, don't have a niche i definitely i i really enjoy meeting all people so my practice um i think my youngest person at the minute is is maybe about four months and my oldest is late 80s so i have a real diversity of ages of people and a, a diverse diverse um conditions that brings them into my practice so i think i say on my website you know i i understand the marketing advantages of having a niche but i don't want to i really enjoy meeting all people so it's definitely about who's the person that has that illness you know as you know hippocrates said it's more important we under understand the person who has the illness than the illness the person has so for me my best work is definitely where i've really got a sense of who that person is that has the complaint that's brought them into my room that day. So no, I don't, I don't definitely don't uh, narrow it down. I guess I have a headaches brought me to homeopathy and you know, I have a real sense of how debilitating that can be. You know, I used to be uh, vomiting in a dark room, you know, have to mm. sleep, have to come home from school. Um, and you know over time and it, it definitely wasn't an instant fix for me but equally it has been far more effective than any of the other options that i'd had so yeah i think headaches i i really love it when i can help but that said it doesn't really make any difference if it's someone who's who's presenting with ibs symptoms or you know fertility issues or whatever and if you're able to help make a difference to help that person move on in a healthier way you know, anxiety and depression. I think I see a real broad range of, of conditions. Um, and I enjoy that because it's always that who is that person who's in front of me that has those complaints. Yeah. That's very similar to my mind. I don't specialize in anything particular, even though you have successes, uh, you know, even for example, with infertility, huge successes, mm. you know, but uh, I don't specialize in it. It just so happens people here and they, and they obviously they, they come for a consultation and, and whatnot so but yeah it's nice to be I, I personally like you I like to be open because the idea is for me again personally speaking as a homeopath I'm here to help you and, mm -hmm. I, and I don't want to say no I'm just going to treat you in this yeah. yes of course I've had I know where my successes are where conditions were very difficult to treat perhaps you know and and they were successfully treated like like everything else but mm -hmm. I don't like to call it specialist. Uh, I'm a specialist yeah. in it. I'm just here to help mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as much as I can. Yeah. You know, I'll do my best, you know? Yeah. Um, so now tell me with everything going on in your life, do you get time for any hobbies? I do. Although I have, I have had a few conversations with my supervisor recently about, you know, where there's space for fun time. So it can be very busy. I've been a single parent since my daughter was one. I'm, I have a very supportive partner now, so it's in a different place. Um, 
but yeah, hobbies wise, I, I really love paddle boarding. I love, um, I want to just call it swimming, but you know, now it's called wild swimming. So swimming in the river, swimming in the sea. I, me and my daughter have just been in Greece. So there's been lots of swimming, swimming in the med makes me very happy. Um, so lots of swimming, paddle boarding, walking the dogs, being out in nature mainly, sitting in the garden with a book. I'm a big book fan. Yeah, I can imagine, yes. Yeah. I get that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a big book fan. I just run out of spaces. I don't know yeah, where to put the them. The problem now. is not enough shelves. It's, it's, there's no other problem. <laughs> yeah, it's always the shelves, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got a shelf, funnily enough, to this morning I got it delivered. It was a, a little desk shelf because I've got mm -hmm. too many extra books. I just yeah. couldn't control myself, you know, and I've just had to buy them. Yeah. And uh, put it together and it just, just broke on me. Just I put it, all I did was put it down on the table. And I thought, well, <laughs> that's, that's obviously not very uh, sturdy, is it? You no, know? no. Not for the big books that I've got. Bigger, better desk yeah. shelf. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, good. That's, that's, uh, it's nice, you know, because you mentioned something very important, which is, to enjoy nature and that's so and i say this so many times of course but it is it is very very important even going for a walk by yourself mm -hmm. or, or with you know with uh with with somebody being accompanied and it, even if it's 20 minutes you know 15 minutes it does put a fresh perspective on things you just got to try to to see that change it does yeah yeah yesterday i was in quite a I don't know, it's a little bit stroppy mood. Um, one of our favourite organic veg shops has, has stopped doing what they were doing, changed hands. And um, yeah, my partner mentioned it. I'm like, I'm really sad, I don't want to do anything. And anyway, we took the dogs through, walked around this beautiful reservoir just up the road from us and came back. I'm like, actually, I can, I can cope with this. I can face it, I can deal with this again. So it does make such a difference. And for me, I think there's something about you know, I could probably rant about this all day, but, you know, getting our kids out into into wild spaces, getting them to fall in love with the world around them, because we are nature, aren't we? It's not like there's nature around us. We are just a, a whole part of this um, complex, incredible, simple, beautiful life that we're a part of. And so I think the more we, we have our kids out, whether they're building dens or, or finding beetles and mini beasts in the grass or, or whatever they're doing, I think the more we can fall in love with our home, the more we're going to look after it. Yeah. That's so, so true. And uh, what have you got planned down the line? So what's what's this year? What's in store this year and, and next year? What, what what are you working on? Yeah, good question. I'm deepening my practice around uh, clinical supervision. So looking at study, studying a diploma in that, um, starting later on in the year. I'm just finishing a course on provocative, uh, it's called Provocative Change Works, around using provocative therapy and other tools in, in practice. Um, I have a real fascination of, of different things and how we could help people. And every single time come back to, well, that doesn't beat homeopathy. <laughs> no disrespect to any of these other methods. I think, you know, there's loads of things can, that can fit well together. But in terms of where I want to spend my time, you know, reading homeopathy books, deepening my work around clinical supervision and doing more of the same, really. So just, yeah, really grateful I'm at this point. I sat this morning and was looking at a five-year plan and where I want to be and how I want it to look. And really, there's a lot of more of the same. You know, there's some long-distance walks in there. But definitely, you know, doing more more around the supervision work, looking at, you know, just just really 
you know, deepening my homeopathy practice. There's some so many, you know, fantastic people out there to learn from. Like you're talking about, you know, Shulton and Sankaran being on the show. Um, you know, Annette Sneevlet, as I mentioned earlier, is another of my favorite teachers. Mahesh Gandhi's doing some incredible work. There's so many people, Dinesh Chohan, I've got a couple of his books I need to fully finish and read. Um, there's some brilliant people. So, you know, any spare time, let's dive into those and explore and learn more. And the Joshes, I, I love their work as well. And in the UK, um, I studied with um, Helen Dalton, um, Grazia Gatti and Ilana Danaheiser, who were teaching their it's an evolving sensation course, it's called, um, which I think is starting the new cohort soon. So a little plug for that course. It's fantastic, really helps with the understanding of the Joshi's work. And they're working, you know, using some of the Joshi's cases with their permission. The Joshi's are very much behind the teaching that they're doing. It's um, a fantastic course. So, yeah, more more reading and learning and doing. It's yeah. nice, isn't it? It's, it's mm. wonderful. Uh, Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Time's really flown, hasn't it? It has, hasn't it? It's been great chatting. It's uh, interesting. And uh, I hope that uh, very soon or in the near future or in the future, you will come back and we can talk a bit more, you know, about uh, homeopathy and what what you're up to and and what the, you know, what you've been working on, really. It's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you. And thank you for all you're doing to help promote and and discuss homeopathy. I talk to clients, you know, if if they want to leave a testimonial or, and I very much say, you know, it's not about somebody coming to see me. It's about somebody who's out there suffering and not knowing there's something that they could be helped with. You know, there's so many people struggling with, I don't know, chronic headaches or, um, or pain or or whether that be emotional or physical pain and just not knowing that there's an option out there that might help them um so yeah thank you for all that you're doing oh that's very kind of you thank you it's all about homeopathy isn't it it's one big huge community around the world and it's something that we all have in common irrespective Mm -hmm. of our skills and where we've learned or what we've studied and what system we're using or whether we're not using one or not it's still all the objective is the same to help people get better. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's what binds us and links us, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Very welcome. Thank you. I do hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Homeopathy Health Show. Please do support the show by clicking follow on my socials. Remember, the more exposure the podcast receives, the better for homeopathy around the world. You can find me on Instagram by searching for at like underscore treats like and on both Facebook and TikTok by searching for at like treats like. So let's promote the voice of homeopathy on radio and podcast around the world together. Don't forget to visit me online at www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast tab. Here you'll be able to see all the guests that have joined me on the show so far. And of course, you can stream on demand the latest episode to your mobile, tablet or PC. Until next time, stay safe and take care.